Hello, 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 and welcome. This is Talk the Plank, episode 132 of Pittsburgh Pirates podcast on the Fan First Sports Network. I'm Nathan Hirsch, joined alongside by Jake Slobodnik. Jake, what's going on, pal? Uh, probably a lot more than the Pirates had the past three games. Um, in reality, nothing much, just... Another week in the old grind, trying to get through to the weekend and uh, finally getting out to some Pirates baseball here this weekend as they return home from a miserable road trip in St. Pete. How about you? Uh, Yeah, same. Just trying to get to the weekend. And that's kind of what the Pirates are trying to do as well. You mentioned it. The Pirates are currently on their longest losing streak of the season, four games. They were swept in three against the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays, who are 26-6 and on the season, which is just absolutely ridiculous. That's a 132-30 and pace over 162 games. Obviously, that's not going to happen. But they've just been been crazy good. And, Jake, I don't know what you want to dive into first, how the Pirates played or perhaps how the Pirates were kind of on the short end of the stick when it came to umpiring. What do you what do you want to get into, Jake? Um, I'm not going to go off on like a long tangent and just be, <laughs> you know, up in my emotions all all episode. Clearly, umpiring and officiating was the big elephant in the room here the past couple of days. But I think it's also worth noting that the Pirates did trip over themselves multiple times in this series. So it could have been a lot better. They could have softened the blow a little bit, but they didn't do that too much. Um, Runners in scoring position, hitting with that was almost uh, imaginary this this past couple of days. Uh, it just seemed like anytime somebody got either on second or third base, everybody just kind of froze. Um, I'm not going to say that Tampa Bay starters were overpowering us with anything, or pitchers, that is. Uh, they weren't overpowering or anything. We just weren't making contact. or We weren't hitting gaps. We just weren't doing anything. Defensively, we were awful too, um, mm. especially in that second game. Rodolfo Castro and G1 Bay, it's bad enough when one of them makes a gaffe. It's worse when your entire middle infield almost is unreliable in the game. And that one thing I noticed, it just it seemed like we could never get any momentum rolling this entire series. Like uh, we we scraped together a run in the first game, but then that's just when everything kind of went out the door. Rowanzi wasn't getting any any uh, calls on in the zone. It was just frustrating from there. Last night, Mitch Keller wasn't getting helped by his defense, and then today. Uh, today and yesterday, we're recording this on Thursday. Um, our, the umpires just weren't our friends, and they were more or less—I hate to say it—but they were favoring the Rays. I mean, <laughs> the umpires' scorecards will say a hell of a different, but just from watching the games, listening to the games, hearing the announcing of the games from Joe Block, John Wayner, and all those other guys, there there was some suspicious activity going on with these umpires. I don't know where you want to start with the, with the strike zones or lack thereof. It was just, you know, they just kind of felt out these batters and were like, okay, this is just a strike. Like they just left it up to chance, the coin flip. And then the thing that caught my eye the most, and this is kind of where like, I kind of saw a little bit of a difference in opinion. uh, And it kind of woke me up to saying like, you know, we, we nitpick these umpires all the time a bad call here and there we're immediately hounding them. But what I saw Wednesday night with uh, Adrian Johnson. Oh my God. When Quinn Wilcott with Derek Shelton, it's just unbelievable that it's Thursday and we have, you know, there's no disciplinary actions in place for them. When I hear, you know, when I see an umpire tell a coach F you and like, not that needs addressed. And yeah. the fact that MLB and the MLB UA is just not really taking any measures to address this, especially when you have the two best teams in baseball at this moment playing together, you would think that there would be some sort of tightening it up a little bit. There wasn't. And we all know Derek Shelton is a very cool, calm, cool, and collected guy. So for him to get tossed is a rarity. And you know that something really went bad. I just I, I'm I'm disappointed with how Adrian Johnson can uh, you know held himself how that umpiring crew just just pretty much just gave the Rays the series like don't I don't want to take away from the Rays they're a great team they have a lot of great hitters their pitching is great but it feels like it, it feels like the Rays didn't really earn this this sweep it just it felt like it was handed to them Andrew McCutcheon kind of alluded to that in his post game comments 
and I'm sure we'll dissect that a little bit more. But like, I'm not too up in arms about it because it, it's kind of hard to get really emotionally behind something when it, it when it's all taken out of your team's control. Pirates didn't even have a dog in this race. They were taken out from the very very beginning because of great play by the Rays and some pretty undisciplined umpires. Yeah, I mean, the only job that's safer than an MLB umpire in America is probably the United States Supreme Court. But they're not going to do anything with these umps. And until the robot umps come, whenever they come, if they ever come, there's never going to be any disciplinary whatever towards any major league umpire, which is sad because, yeah, in, in the Thursday, the Thursday game probably upset me the most with the strike zone. Uh, Jason Mackey had it. The Pirates in the Thursday game struck out 10 times against Eflin, seven looking, five of which were outside of the strike zone. So the Pirates went down looking seven times. Of those seven times, five were not strikes. That is, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And yeah, I'll read you some of these Andrew McCutcheon quotes from Jason Mackey. Touch said on the umpiring, is there any accountability on the at end? Over the years, I don't think so. What can you do? He adds, this felt like a game we weren't supposed to win. For Kutch to say that, I mean, it it takes a lot. It takes a lot for a player to to really dive in on umpires. He said, it felt one-sided today. You don't ever want to feel like that when you're out there, but today just didn't feel like it was a game that was supposed to be won by us. He added, an adjustment needs to be made. That's what I think anyway. It didn't go that way today. Take your strikeouts, I guess. What can you do? You're going to grind anyway. You're going to get screwed over on a call. So, I, I mean, Kutch said a lot there, and I don't know. I know that he kind of has a higher standing in the league, being that he's a well-established veteran, borderline Hall of Fame player, but he said a lot there. And like you said, the just the professionalism from these umpires, they're just so whiny. They take everything so personally. They make it about themselves. They're whiny. And I agree. I, I think if the umpiring was good, the Pirates probably still get swept. Maybe they sneak out the Thursday game because I mean, the offense was asleep until the very last out when Carlos Santana hit a two run double to make the game three to two. But it's one thing to watch your offense, just look at strike three over and over and over again. But whenever five out of seven aren't real strikes, it just, as a fan, it makes you want to pull your hair out. And I don't know. It just really sucks. I hate to be the guy that bitches about the umps because I will say Pirates got some calls too. The umpiring in general was just terrible. The Pirates did get some calls. They got some called strikes outside of the zone, but it's really distracting. We don't watch baseball to watch these umps screw it up. We watch it because we want to see what the players could do on a level playing field. And I will say I'll end the rant with this. Before this season, I was pro let the umpires have their own strike zone. I kind of like how not every strike zone is the same. There's kind of some charm in in the fact I thought that some umps have a bigger strike zone, some umps have a smaller strike zone, and it's fun to see how players adjust. But the strike zone has to be consistent. That's the thing. And it was not consistent. And this season, it's just been flat out bad. And I've never been, I don't don't know, I guess I've been on the fence about robot umps and just having a standardized zone. But I think I'm pro-robo-ump now. This series put me over the edge, and it's sad because, like I said, I've always thought it was interesting to see different umpires have different zones. But, uh, yeah, that's that's my ump spiel. I'll leave it at that. Um, the Pirates still got swept, so whatever. I'm not I'm not on the ship of robo-umps quite yet. Um, I mean, they're human. You're going to have, like you said, differing strike zones. Everything's going to be a little different. We don't go into these games expecting umpires to be perfect. And if you, if you do, you should stop because that's just unrealistic. But 
if when you have guys that are just looking for trouble like that, not even trying to make it all about them, just like they're looking for a fight, then that's when that's when things really need to start getting looked at by the league. Because that's that there is no place in that. Like it'd be different if you're going up against a fiery manager like Joe Torre was in his prime. You or Lou Pinella, even like those guys are fiery dudes, so already you dread talking to them. When you're going against Kevin Cash and Derek Shelton, who I think, in my opinion, are two of the most mild-mannered managers in the MLB right now, and they have some pretty mild-mannered players. Why would you look for a fight with either side? Like it just it makes no sense to me. And just seeing the the attitudes of these guys this past these past couple of days has just really it, it just really soured me on the game a little bit. Like that's not how wins should be determined. I agree with you. I think the Pirates still get swept if everything is still consistent and everything's fair. But at least it's a competitive atmosphere and we at least go down trying. Like I'm seeing some people on Twitter and I'm not going to name any accounts, but there are people out there saying, you know, it'd be nice if player X would have been able to do something had he not had the bat taken out of his hands. Reynolds, I think, is a perfect example like that. Or even Connor Joe. Like how many times do we see him struck out on pitches that were five feet off the plate? It just, it's, it's amazes me. And in a way, I want to play devil's advocate because like I've been in that, I'm not, I've never been an MLB umpire. I never wished to be an MLB umpire, the amount of stress in that job. But I've done like, you know, local community baseball, softball. I've been a home plate umpire. And you're going to have people that just chirp about the strike zone 90% of the time. You can't make everybody happy. But as an umpire, you also got to take in your own liberties to correct the situation. And if you're going to be bad, at least be consistently bad, kind of like what you alluded to. These guys didn't. They just... I don't know if they're just new. I mean, Wilcox really not. I don't know if Adrian Johnson's new to the league or not, but they, they, they need to learn, like, you're there to be the mediators. And if you're not the mediator, then you see things like this sort of boil over and you have a situation like you do this three-game series. It felt one-sided. And to go back to McCutcheon's quotes, I do want to commend him on just how he structured his comments because, you know – he, he's seen a lot. He could have easily came out and just completely lasered these umpires in the press. He could have absolutely done that. But just to say, hey, it felt like, you know, he kept his demeanor cool. He just said, look, it felt one-sided as a player. You know, you're going to take your strikeouts, but at the same time, like, you know, he just, he professionally structured his thoughts, but he also got his point across. And I think that that speaks as to why they brought McCutcheon back. And I, I know we've talked about why they brought him back multiple times, but I think that's a perfect example of it right there. But it, it just, it, it amazed me. I saw a different level of umpiring these past couple of days that I never thought I would ever see in the league. I, I want to get your thoughts on something that happened during Tuesday's game, the whole Austin Hedges thing. There is, there was, yeah. there was discourse about whether he was, uh, whether there was a Bach that should have been called or not. I'm like 50, 50 on it. I mean, I think whoever the race pitcher was at the time, he he completely quick pitched Austin Hedges, but the reason I think they didn't call is because there was at least a second of a pause. But I think it could have gone either way. What were your thoughts on that, and like just how the umps responded to that? Yeah, I mean, I think that was just another gaffe by the umpiring crew. That was a balk, and the pitch clock went down to zero, so it was like a double whammy. And of course, Hedges went on to strike out. He's hitting like. 130 at this point but yeah it was just another thing there's the list of things that happened in this series is is very long and uh i will say adrian johnson has been an umpire since 2006 in major league baseball but the 2023 season is the first year that he has been named crew chief so he's umped his fair share of games but his crew kind of sucks and we'll see we'll see what happens over the course of the season we'll see the next time the pirates run into this crew it'll be kind of interesting to see what goes down but it is notable i guess that this is his first season as a crew chief because it's not really buttoned up in my opinion but yeah the the bach the pitch clock the the strike zone the gall to to scream at coaches, the unprofessionalism, the list goes on and on. And I, I'm already tired of talking about it. But you mentioned it with on the pirate side. The defense was bad. I will say, I think 
playing in Tropicana Field was sort of a learning experience for the Pirates. There's not very many turf fields in baseball. I think it's this and Toronto. That might be the only two. Uh, you could tell in the outfield, Brian Reynolds in yesterday's game had trouble fielding a bounce. Um, the dome bothered Jack Sawinski in game one when a pop-up dropped in between him and I believe Castro at shortstop. Bay had his problems at second base. Castro, as you mentioned, had his problems via the turf. So I think the the defense was a big letdown as well, but I'll give the Pirates a bit of a pass. They rarely play on turf. They rarely play in the dome. Uh, Tampa Bay Stadium is kind of a joke, as everyone knows that is a baseball fan. So the defense was bad, though, and that, that also played a big part into this series. But the main thing, I mean... Strike zone being bad or not, the Pirates scored four runs in this series, one for 21 with runners in scoring position. In the Thursday game, it looked like they were going to get shut out. They scored two runs and had an opportunity to tie it with two outs, weren't able to, but the offense was just bad. They were just bad, not aggressive. It it just it wasn't great, so... Brian Reynolds looked good at least. Connor Joe had a nice game, one of the games, but in the Thursday game, they struck out 13 times, walked just once. So if I had to rank why the Pirates got swept, I would say the offense was number one. I'll put the umps at number two. I will. I don't care. And I'll put the defense third. Pitching wasn't terrible. We can get into that. I mean, Mitch Keller was fine Wednesday. He gave up five runs, but only... One of them was earned. Tuesday, Roanti Contreras was, he wasn't sharp per se, but he really could have let that get away from him. He gave up four runs in five and a third innings. He he had trouble with the walk, but he he fought through and I thought did a decent job of not getting absolutely blown up. Today, Vincent Velasquez, we could talk about him. He went three innings, gave up a run, had to leave due to injury and the bullpen came in and went five innings of two run ball, just three solo shots hit by the race. So I thought the pitching was fine, but I don't know what you want to dive into, but the offense was terrible. So pirates really need to get back to where they were about a week ago when they were both hitting and drawing walks and not kind of waiting to strike out. Cause that's what it kind of seemed like in this series. Yeah, I mean, I'll give the offense a little bit of a pass in terms of their strikeout rate because, I mean, when you have a skewed strike zone like they did, right. it's kind of hard to pick apart, you know, the, the pitcher's themes, if you will. But like you said, one for 21 with runners in scoring position is just awful. And I agree. I think they just kind of waited for a strikeout instead of working walks. But then again, I, I look at some of the guys in some of this, uh, this batter u- utilization that Derek Shelton had. Two out of the three games, he starts Austin Hedges who is, is is a literal out he he doesn't yeah, quit that he's a pitcher ball. yeah he's he he pretty much goes against that rule g1 bay has been like nah if he doesn't bunt he's an out connor joe he had a great series i'm not gonna lie i think he did great kutch for what it's worth i thought had a great series as well kutch kutch has been he's been cooling off here lately you look at his line he's now hitting 238 uh he did have the home run but he struck out three times on Thursday today, 238, 339 on base. So he's still getting on base. 465 slugging, also great. You'll take that. But I would say over the past week or so, Kutch has cooled off. I think it's more or less the bottom third of our lineup that's just not producing anything. And I mean, I'm kind of questioning why we didn't utilize Marcano a little bit because it seems like he's making at least consistent contact. Maybe something will fall here and there. And if we're going for a speedy second baseman who bunts, Marcano's your guy, in my opinion, because he can at least hit more than G1 Bay has. Rodolfo Castro hasn't really done too, too much. Um, he'll get you your occasional hit here and there. It's just, um, it's underwhelming to see what this bottom third of the lineup has been doing. Uh, my main problem with that just lies with Hedges, and I, I yeah. just I don't want him. And I wrote a whole story on that on Bucks Dugout. Spare that rant. You guys can go <laughs> read it on Bucks Dugout. I'm a delay believer, but one for 21 with runners in scoring position. How do you not? I, I think that's actually more impressive then going like 15 of 21. Yeah. I don't know why. I feel like one for 21 is, it's just unreal. Pitching wise, I'll give them a lot of credit. Keller shoved. I have no qualms with him. 
Uh, is it me or like, do you also feel that Rowanzi just got extremely lucky on Tuesday or unlucky on Tuesday? Um, I mean, the locks were, he walked four hitters. He only struck out three. So that wasn't encouraging, but I would say he got unlucky, but he also did get a bit lucky in the first three innings. He got Wander Franco to ground into two double plays, but I think it just did. He did a good job. I think of limiting damage. I think it could have been a lot worse. I also think the bullpen did all right. It was fine. Yeah. They gave up a couple of runs. Bolton gave up two, but I mean, it was garbage time anyway. So it's not like they blew away any games or anything for lack of a better term. Bullpen was fine. So pitching, I didn't really have an issue with. Yeah, the walk rates need to come down a little bit. But again, give or take, because of the bad strike zone and all, you don't know what you're going to get into. And that just that, that offense is killing us. I also, well, first of all, I think we also need to go back to the reliever point and credit Colin Holderman on an immaculate inning. Oh, yes, for sure. That was awesome to watch. I didn't even realize it in the moment until I saw a tweet about it. It was like, oh, yeah, that was an immaculate inning. Same here. And I got an alert on my phone. It's like Holderman throws the first immaculate inning of the season. I'm like, well, too bad it's just bogged down by the atrocity that is the umpiring day. But yeah, there you could. It's it's a weird series to recap. But yeah, that one for twenty one mark with runners in scoring position, I think, is the main headliner here. And another thing I wanted to bring up, and I I, I can't believe we almost forgot about this: the whole Wander Franco scenario. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask you about it. What like, do you think? I, I personally didn't care. I mean, he was up by his team was up by how many? Yeah. Franco has been known to showboat here and there. I mean, I'm, if if it was like, I don't know if this if the scenario was a little bit different, I probably would have cared a lot more. But I, I I'm kind of like Reynolds. I, I I saw it. I don't really care for it. Like I'm not fired up. Like oh, he's ruining baseball because of it. Because he's not. Right. It's he's a young star who is gonna showboat when he can, and that's exactly what happened. It's funny. There's like two sides of this where the one side you have the the old school crowd that is just like, this is disrespectful to the game, blah, 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 which I don't really agree with. But then there's the other side of this that is just like, oh, my God, this is so awesome. He threw the ball up and caught it and threw it to first. Baseball is so fun. Look how fun this is. Please like my sport. Look how fun. Oh, my God. He threw it up and then he threw it to first like that. I get that vibes. Overall, my opinion, I just think it was kind of corny. I just do. Everyone's like, oh, look how smooth he looks throwing the ball to first. I didn't think it was that smooth. It just seemed kind of rehearsed. It seemed like, at least in my opinion, that he may have been thinking about breaking that out in the in a game. I doubt he has before because we probably would have seen it. But I don't know. It just looked forced. It looked not casual. It did not look cool. It did not look smooth. It looked like he had been rehearsing it in practice for a while and he made the out. It was, I mean, it was whatever. I don't, I don't know. I'm I'm not mad about it, but I don't think it was cool and awesome, but also I'm not like that's disrespectful to the game. I'm pretty indifferent. I just think it was kind of, it was mid. It was, it was just so mid. It, it was mid. Yes. It was mid. It was corny, <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. I, whatever. I'm not trying to discredit Wander. I mean, the kid's a stud, and I mean, he signed that big extension. I mean, he's got every right to be, you know, as cocky as he wants. Wander Franco is awesome. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. And I would say this season is it's he's really breaking out. And he, I mean, he's still like 22. But you look at it, you look at his line right now: 298, 366, 545. He's got some home runs as well. He's 22, so. He's an awesome ball player. There's no denying that. But yeah, overall, like whatever, bro. What goes through my mind is like, I feel like if this was O'Neill Cruz or even Rodolfo Castro who did that sort of thing, everybody would be up in arms about it. Like, yeah. excluding Pirates fans, social media would be like, O'Neill Cruz just made a disrespectful play against uh, the Rays. And I like, think if Castro did it, it would be more like that. If Cruz did it, I think the baseball is fun police would come out and tell us how awesome it was. But someone like Castro, who's had some incidents on the field, I guess we could say with the cell phone last season and just how his <laughs> he's kind of a lackadaisical player at times, which I don't know. I think he's I think he's fine. He's good. But uh, yeah, if he did that, I think Twitter would burn with, oh, my God, are you serious? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. All we would have heard of is, oh, yeah, but can he keep his cell phone in his pocket? Like, right. just cliched comebacks and like but i mean it is what it is pirates haven't done it 
it was just a mid scenario. And there's not going to be too many people that share that ide- that ideology because a lot of people, like you said, are either for, oh, it's disrespectful to the game or, wow, what a play, even though it was literally... It was nothing impressive at all. Like it, no. It was, it was so whatever. If you would have done it like maybe around the back or something like that, okay, a little bit more style, style points there, but you just flicked it up, grabbed it, and then threw to first. I, I do wish, though, that we would see an alternate reality where... He threw it up, bobbled it. Oh, if he yeah. if he fumbles that ball, that's that's like that's getting played on. It's getting played on blooper reels for all time. And yeah, I wish that would have happened once again in the moment. I didn't even realize it happened. I saw the replay on Twitter, and I mean, obviously coming from a Pirates bias perspective, yeah, it's just like it's eye roll material for me, but. Yeah, it, whatever, man. It was so, yeah. It's just such a dumb thing. Like I, I mean, it's probably pointless for us to even talk about it. But no, I, I, I'm glad we're talking about it because it was whatever. <laughs> that's that's yeah, my it, take. It's one of those things where you want to talk about it, and it kind of needs brought to the room. But at the same time, like there's some people out there that's like, bro, why'd you waste your energy talking about this? But yeah, I mean, it's it was just so mid, but. Listen, it's a it's a lost series. We kind of knew that we were going to struggle against them. We didn't think it was going to be to the nth degree like it was. The the best thing for the Pirates right now is they're coming home. They're facing the Blue Jays, who are almost like in the same boat as them. So it's like, okay, now we can get back to reality. That was just a bad dream. Yeah, the Blue Jays are on a four game losing so uh, losing streak themselves. They play at six o'clock here on Thursday. So by the time you're listening to this, they'll either have won or be on a five game losing streak, but uh, they're kind of struggling a little bit here lately too. I will say I didn't expect the pirates to get swept in this manner, but some regression was definitely due for this offense. And looking at some of these lines now, they look a little more realistic. It's we don't, we don't have Connor Joe hitting like three eighty anymore. We don't have Jack Sawinski with a um, 1,000-plus OPS. Um, Kutch, obviously, his OPS is still over 800, but he's not his 300, 400, 500 type self. So I will say, though, Brian Reynolds, he picked it back up. He ran into a little bit of a cold streak, but since signing his extension, he has been just really great. But uh the offense was due for a little bit of slippage here, and I think we saw it in this race series and in that last game against the Nationals. The Pirates, you look at it now, four-game losing streak. They've scored, what, six total runs in those four games, so you hope they can bounce back against the Blue Jays, and I guess we could preview that a little bit. Pirates, like you said, come home against the Blue Jays for a three-game series. Pitching matchups-wise, Today, Friday, Chris Bassett goes for the Blue Jays against Rich Hill. Saturday, it's Jose Barrios against Johan Oviedo. Hopefully, Oviedo can bounce back after a few slippy starts. And then in the Sunday game, Rowanzi Contreras gets the start against Yusei Takuchi. Jake, looking at this series, what are what are some initial thoughts? Well, it's kind of it's kind of like two parallel teams going at it because I mean the Blue Jays are on a losing streak of their own. They lost their Sunday game against Seattle. We watched out. We lost our Sunday game against Washington. Um, they lost three straight to Boston, who we just absolutely annihilated. Mm-hmm. And they're playing at at this current moment that we're recording. They're actually about to get underway, so they're on the on the brink of a five game losing streak and a four game sweep. It's it's interesting. I think these teams are very comparable. Chris Bassett hasn't had the start to the season that he wanted. My my fear, and we were talking about this off the air, is with Rich Hill. I mean, with you look at the Blue Jays hitters, I'm I'm scared. There's a lot of righties. There's a lot of righties with power. I yeah, I was joking with you, Vlad. Vlad Jr. might put a dent in that new scoreboard if Rich Hill hangs one to him. Him, Bobachette. Yeah. possibly George Springer. He's due for a hot streak. It's, I mean, they, they're kind of like us where at the bottom of the order, it kind of fizzles out, but at the same time, like you, you can't just, when you have a 43 year old lobbing 60 mile an hour curveballs to a prodigy, like Vlad Guerrero jr. It just spells trouble, but Saturday, Oviedo versus Barrios. I think that's going to be the most interesting matchup of the three. 
Yeah. Uh, both those guys struggling a little bit. Barrios, I think, is, you know, catching a little bit of heat. Oviedo's cooled off a little bit. Uh, it really, it's a make or break game for both of them. I don't know. I, and then Kikuchi versus Contreras on Sunday. I think that's a good pitching matchup, but I think the Pirates have the upper hand in that one. Kikuchi has been like mid, maybe worse. But yeah. I think Contreras can rebound from a bad start in Tampa Bay against the Blue Jays. I'm going to be optimistic and say we take two or three from the Blue Jays. I'm definitely confident that we take Sunday's game. Reason I say two or three, I'm going to Saturday's game, and mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not Jim Rosati. I don't have a curse following me. Uh, <laughs> but which, speaking of Jim, please don't ever go to a Pirate game again. He was there all three, and I think that's kind of like what caused it. But I'm optimistic we beat Barrios. I'm not optimistic against with Rich Hill pitching. But again, I've how many times have we talked where I'm like, <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't think Rich is going to do well, and then he goes out and earns a win. So anything can happen, but I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that we could take two or three. I will say I got some breaking news for you here on the podcast. The Pirates, the Pirates chose the best time to lose four straight games because as we're talking, the Milwaukee Brewers just lost again to the Colorado Rockies nine to six, and. I saw that the Brewers got out to a 3 nothing lead, which I was like, all right, they're going to win one of these. But nope, they actually got out to a 4 nothing lead, and Colorado tied it up in the bottom of the seventh with a four spot. And then in the bottom of the eighth, they got a five spot to make it 9-4. Looking at these standings, the Pirates have not lost an inch of ground despite losing four games. And collectively, as a division, the National League Central has lost four, eight, 11, 12, 18 straight games. The Pirates are on a four-game losing streak. The Brewers are on a four-game losing streak. The Cubs are on a three-game losing streak. The Reds, they lost their last game, so they've lost one straight. And the St. Louis Cardinals... You love to see it. They've lost six straight. They are one and nine in their last ten. Their record is ten and twenty-two. Five and eleven at home. Five and eleven on the road. That brings me joy. And so the Pirates are twenty and twelve. They're still a game and a half up on the Brewers. And you could be listening to this right now and say, "What are we doing? Why are we scoreboard watching here in May?" I don't care. I'm going to be scoreboard watching all season long so as the Pirates are in first place. I don't care. So bad series for the Pirates, but did not move a half game in the standings. So you'll love to see it. At least the Pirates got swept by a historically awesome team right now in the Rays, who, as we mentioned, are 26-6. and The Brewers got swept by the Rockies, and the Cubs just went one in six on a road series against the Marlins and the Nationals, who the Pirates just took two out of three against. So I feel pretty good right now as a Pirates fan. Yeah, it's kind of like one of those scenarios where, like, if you lose, I, I, it's weird how I think of this, but like, if you lose and bow out of the playoffs, but if you lose and bow out against the team that goes on to win the championship, you're kind of feeling a little bit better about yourself. Oh, for and sure. I feel that way. I feel that way right now. Like you said, like if we're, if we're going to get swept, might as well be the hottest team in baseball. Um, and with everybody else losing, cause like you said, we don't, we don't lose an inch of ground at all. So there is some silver lining to this. albeit they're very thin, but um, yeah, I mean, they, they could have been a hell of a lot worse for the pirates. So, um, and I saw, cause our, our boy Cody Duncan on Twitter, just said, <laughs> uh, Andy Rodriguez, not in the lineup tonight for Indianapolis. <laughs> isn't he still Thank hurt one. no he came off the, he came off the il and he's been dh'ing the past uh couple of days but i don't think he played i don't know if he played yesterday because the indians played a double header yesterday against toledo um and i i was i was trying to watch the games about it or the games but i didn't um no he didn't play he didn't play at all so andy watch i mean i will say i Back to the hedges thing real quick. I've been a I've been a hedges um defender here because I do truly believe that there is something to being a veteran in the clubhouse. I've heard that he's kind of the lo- vocal leader in the clubhouse and he he does a good job 
managing pitching staffs. I think that's why he's there. And I don't think the analytics necessarily account for that. But yeah, I mean, he's hitting 133, 235, 156 slugging. His OPS of 391 is lower than a lot of these guys slugging percentages obviously i'm trying to find i mean his ops is lower than jason delays on base percentage and almost batting average and he has only two more at bats than delay his war is minus 0.6 so we we talked about it he's literally a pitcher with the bat but i don't know yeah andy andy time is nearing perhaps next month if i had to guess Henry Rodriguez, Henry Rodriguez, Henry Davis, Hank Davis is on the way. He's been tearing it up in double A. I want to see him get promoted to triple A. So I still think Hedges has a spot on the team. Maybe he could be like the dude in major league. I forget his name, but he's the catcher slash manager. Maybe there's a spot for Hedges on Jake the team. Yeah. Yeah, maybe Austin Hedges can be the Jake Taylor of the 2023 Pirates at some point. But yeah, he has been he has been dreadful at the plate. And not to get back into the race series, but in that first game when Pirates at the at the moment were down three to one, they had runners on first and second with nobody out. Tucapita Marcano was at the plate. I don't know if he was given the sack bunt sign or if he did it himself, but he laid down a bunt, kind of one of those half bunt for a hit, half sack bunts. He got thrown out. Hedges came up to the plate, second and third, one out. Proceeded to strike out, not even put the ball in play. And that was pretty much the game. He's been bad. I will say, Brian Hayes, I don't know if you want to talk about him at all. He's been really unlucky, but he's also just been bad. His line now, 225, 282, 350. The glove work is, I mean... I'll put his glove in goat conversation for third baseman that I've seen in my lifetime, but uh, the bat has just been a complete zero to this point this season. He's had some hot streaks. He had a streak there where when leading off, he was hitting above 300 for maybe about a seven to 10 game stretch, but hit seventh again today only has one home run this season. I don't know. Back to the Hayes talk. What's your, what's your concern with him? offensively of course I, I think he's just trying to do too much like how many times have i spoke on this podcast and said he just needs to focus on being a mainly contact hitter quit trying to muscle up on the ball when you're he's kind of if we're going to use major league references here he kind of strikes me as like a less successful willie mays hayes in major league two when he came in and was trying to be a a power hitter hitting home yeah, Frank maybe Rainey. And Lou said, I pay you to get on base. That's pretty much what Key Brian Hayes is supposed to do. And, I mean, yeah, he wasn't known for his bat going throughout the minor leagues, but it doesn't mean he can't be better now. I think if he just put more of his attention toward being a contact hitter, I think his results would look a hell of a lot better. But a lot of people, you know, a lot of people like home runs, and that's what I guess he's trying to do now. I I, I don't know. It's I don't even know, though. He's just he, like – he has been unlucky, I will say. I saw a tweet the other day that said his expected batting average was like 60 points low or higher than his actual batting average. He has been stinging some line drives right at guys, but I don't know. He's like he's just a tap-out machine where he just hits a little dribbler to whatever infielder for easy outs and it's I I still hold out hope that he can be an okay hitter because we talk about it. If he could just be average, he's an all-star. If he could just be someone that hits, we'll even say 260 with 10 to 15 home runs per year, just give us a OPS plus in the 100 to 105 range even, he's an all-star because I don't know if you saw the pick at third base today. It was a line shot down the third base line and he casually just got the glove down picked it it's probably hit well over 100 miles per hour no big deal easy play through to first he's a magician at third he's so casual you want to talk about smooth fielders if someone can get away with throwing the ball up and catching it and throwing it to first it's cabrine hayes uh he's he's the definition of smooth he's so smooth that he looks 
average because he makes every play look so darn easy. But just please hit a little bit. I feel I'm going to make a comparison here, and I'm probably going to anger a lot of people with it, but I think this is just kind of it summarizes who he's been up to this point. He's a modern day Jack Wilson. All he can do is make magic with his glove, and he's not known for his offense. Even Jack I mean, Wilson hit 300 one year. Yeah, one year, but <laughs> keep, I mean, it, that's all we talk about. We think about Jack Wilson, we automatically yeah. think his defense, and that's exactly who Brian Hayes is becoming. And I know it's weird because Jack was more of a contact hitter, whereas Hayes is trying to put more power behind it. But that that's just the one thing that, that I just noticed right now is he's just becoming a modern-day Jack Wilson. And, again, not too many people are going to like that because they don't want to hear that. They want to hear praises for Key Brian Hayes, but it's hard to praise a guy whenever he's not helping out both sides of the ball. I will say there have been a lot of people now taking notice. They're saying that he's more of like an offensive liability and, you know – you, you got to be able to cover both aspects of the ball. You can't just be great at defense and suck offensively because then you end up like Austin Hedges. And we don't like Austin Hedges. Um, I don't think <laughs> I don't gonna, hate Austin Hedges. I, I don't think he is going to get to that point, but I'm just like using that as an extreme. Right, character. right, right, right. But yeah, like, I, I don't know. It's, I love watching him on defense because, like you said, he makes everything look easy. But I just I can't stand watching him at the plate anymore. It's just it's painful. I, I and and I see why now you don't pay attention to spring training stats because he's the he's living proof <laughs> as to why. But you know, in in summarizing, I will make this point, and I should have made it earlier. You notice ever since Drew Maggi went down to Altoona, the Pirates I haven't won have, a game. Yeah, they have seemingly been playing worse and worse and worse. It's the Maggi curse. It's, it's weird. I hope it's not the magic curse because yeah, you're right. They have not won a game. They've scored six total runs in four games. They've been terrible. It is the magic curse. And maybe, maybe at some point they need to bring them back up. I don't know. Maybe just as a clubhouse guy, but yeah, I mean, they, we, we've actually not just lost. But we've just looked awful since Maggie's been sent down. I'm not saying Maggie's be all end all, but. I, I noticed that, and I, I felt it necessary to make it a point. Yeah, 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 I will. I'll agree there. Um, they're definitely not going to bring him back up, but we'll see. I mean, back to this Blue Jays series, um, I think the pitching matchups, as you mentioned, for this Pirates offense at least, will be will be more favorable because the Rays, as we know, the past four pitching matchups the Pirates have, have seen have been tough. Uh, Josiah Gray with the Nationals is actually – he's really good. He is good, I will say. And he shut down the Pirates. Obviously, in the first game of the Rays game, they had a bullpen game, which the Rays bullpen is really good. They got the bulk from Josh Fleming, who is a crafty lefty. But they were good. That was a, that was a tough offensive matchup for the Pirates. Shane McClanahan might just be the best starting pitcher in baseball. He's now 6-0. and The ERA is in the twos. It might even be below two at this point. I'm not sure. But he is he's an absolute ace by every definition. So that was a tough matchup for the Pirates. And then Zach Eflin, I would say the Thursday game was the most frustrating for the Pirates offense because Eflin, he, I mean, he's good, but he's not 10 strikeouts good. He's He was sitting in the low 90s, and he was just dicing up. He was rich-hilling the Pirates. Maybe slightly better stuff velocity-wise, but the Pirates just couldn't figure him out. But overall, though, this season, I mean, Eflin has been solid. His ERA is in the twos. So hopefully against the Blue Jays, you look at some of these ERAs, they're in the fives, they're in the fours. So hopefully the offense can pick it back up. Hopefully Kutch can get back on track. Cabrian Hayes can maybe get back on track a little bit. Connor Joe continue to be good. Jack Sawinski find that home run swing again. Carlos Santana has been pretty solid, but I don't know. We'll see. So you think two out of three for the Pirates? Yeah, I'll be optimistic and go two or three. I like that as well. I think two out of three as well. And looking ahead to the schedule a little further, after the Blue Jays, the Pirates will host the Rockies for three, which they swept the first time around in three games. They absolutely 
annihilated them, outscored them 33 to 9, right? Yeah, 33 to 9 in that first series in Colorado. The Rockies come to PNC. The Pirates will see Kyle Freeland again. We'll see how that goes. And then after that, for the rest of May, the Pirates are at Baltimore. That'll be interesting. Baltimore's 21 and 10 at the moment. They are clicking on all cylinders, but their schedule gets tough. Pirates will be at Detroit after that. Then they host Arizona and they host the Texas Rangers before ending the month of May on a road West Coast trip in Seattle and in San Francisco. So my thoughts on this the schedule in May is I mean the the hard part's done. Tampa Bay is I would say head head and shoulders above any team in baseball right now. But I think the Pirates are on the same plane as, say, Toronto or Baltimore or Arizona or Texas or Seattle or San Francisco. I would say they're evenly matched, and hopefully the Pirates can stack some wins against the lesser teams like Colorado and Detroit. So I think by the end of this month, I don't know if they'll still be eight to ten games over 500, but I still think they should be over 500. That's smart. And like you said, it's, you know, the hardest part of the season's over. So if they can just win the games they're supposed to, they'll be fine. I will say, I feel like a lot of these games will be trap games because you, you mentioned earlier in the show, Detroit is terrible. Well, they yeah. just swept the New York Mets. True, so, true, true. And again, the Mets are a pile of hot garbage at the moment. So true. you never know. What to expect. That's the thing. You never know what to expect in baseball. So well, I, don't know, I just, yeah, I, I mean, they got enough leadership, the Pirates do, where they know like they're not going to just fall into a pit of despair like they would have over the past couple of seasons. I think they'll be able to get back on the road again here in a short amount of time. Let me ask you this then. Right now, the Pirates are 20-12 and 12 as we head into this Blue Jays series. What is your confidence level that... I don't know how to frame this question, but we'll, we'll just say, what's your confidence level that the Pirates can win 80, 80 games this season? They're a fourth of the way there. I, I, I'm like at 50-50 right now. It might sound like a cop-out, but like after just getting pwned by the Tampa Bay Rays, I that number will probably adjust in the next couple of days after I see how they rebound from this series. Ask me again next pod, and I'll probably have a more conclusive answer for you. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, I will say the last time, maybe not the last time we talked, but the pod before the last time we talked, we we had our ten questions, and one of them we wondered: Will the Pirates' playoff odds ever get to to the twenty five percent mark? And they've been hovering around thirty percent here for about a week, so it's probably dropped a little more. If I had to guess by the time you're listening to this it's probably in the 20 maybe 27% ish percentage but i mean they're above 25% so all in all i mean if you would have asked me beginning of the season what the pirates record was going to be at the beginning of may i would not have said 20 and 12 and if you would have told me that would have been the case i would be very happy you know, like a lot of people would have laughed in people's faces. Had they oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. For I mean, sure. it's, I, I'm, I'm going to take it. I just hope it doesn't. I hope we don't fall off. That's all I ask. Like if we're going to lose, let's get back on it and not have a dramatic drop off. Cause I can't tell you how many times that I've thought, and I've seen on Twitter, people saying this is the turning point in the season where it all just goes to hell. So you never know. I mean, I'm happy with it. I remember a couple podcasts ago, you like we were taking guesses on how high playoff chances would go for the Pirates. I said it would never give up, get above 25, and it, here it is. We're how many days through, and it's been above 25 for a consistent amount of time. So nothing's impossible. It's just how you regroup from it. Yeah, and I think that's the key, as you mentioned. The, the key to an MLB season, you're going to run into four-game losing streaks. Every team is. Even the Rays at some point this season, I believe, will lose four straight. But it's not – you can't lose 10 straight. You can't, you can't lose 11 out of 12. You just can't – you can't because that's what ruins a season. That's what ends a season effectively 
uh, once you dig a hole like that, and the Pirates have done such an excellent job of providing themselves a cushion to where they lose four games in a row, doesn't hurt them in the standings, thankfully, because the rest of the division is pretty crappy, but they have to respond. That is the absolute key. And uh, I'm looking at it right now. Fangraph still has the Pirates playoff odds at 29.2%. They still have their division odds at 19.2%. And uh, World Series odds, 0.5%. So there's a chance. There's a chance. There's an actual (laughs) chance. They're not the Reds. They're not the Nationals. They're not the Rockies. There is still a chance. They're they're playing some meaningful baseball. They're not the athletics. Holy crap, the athletics are six and twenty-five. For as good the Rays as as the Rays are, they're just as terrible. The Royals are terrible. So good for the Pirates for giving us something. And it's nice that they are in probably the worst division in baseball. And their projected win-loss right now is pretty much eighty-one and eighty-one. So we'll see. We'll see. Take that we'll one. see what happens. All right, Jake, is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we sign off here? Not particularly. Um, again, just hope, hoping the Pirates get back on track and take two or three from the Jays this weekend. I agree. If they can have a nice four and two home stand to get that record to 24 and 14, get the championship parade planned once again because we'll be. We'll be doing good. So hopefully we see some home cooking here. All right, Jake, where can we find you on the Twitter? You can find me on the Twitter at underscore radio Jake. And you can find me on Twitter at Nathan underscore Hirsch. And of course, follow talk the plank on Twitter at talk the plank pod. We got minor league madness that Haley Ryan just dropped yesterday. We've got the morning bucket Joes and we might be having some more hosts come along. We'll see. We're in some talks. So stay tuned for that as well. Jake, it's been a pleasure. Always is. Everyone have a great rest of your day. And uh, thank you for listening as always. Peace out.